Thank you so much. Okay, so um, for those of you that weren't here last week, just a, a quick um, review. Uh, last week we looked at the last year and a half of the life of Chelmsford Vineyard. And today we're going to look forward to this coming academic year that we're stepping into. And if you weren't here last, year, last week, you can listen to it um, on various different podcast platforms. I should know, shouldn't I? Spotify, it's on Spotify, isn't it? Um, uh, it's on SoundCloud. So if you want to listen to it, then please do. Uh, I think our hearts are totally overwhelmed when we think about all that God has done over the last 18 months. Uh, to him be the glory, great things he has done. His faithfulness has been overwhelming. Um, and as I say, so this morning we're going to look at he ahead at the coming year and all that we, we believe God is calling us into. Um, and just to say, if you're visiting or if you're new, then you need to know that you're so welcome here this morning. Um, what I'm, you might think what I'm going to say doesn't um, affect you, but God knew that you were going to be here this morning as I was preparing this. So I totally believe that you are here in the right place for such a time as this. And wherever you find yourself next week, I believe that God is going to speak to you. If you've got a Bible, you might want to get, um, find it, keep it handy, um, or if you've got it on your phone, I'm going to go through a number of different Bible passages this morning. Um, all the references will appear on the screen. If you're in a small group following our sermon series, um, then you'll have a chance to read them again in small group this week. Um, but you might just want to check them out. So a quick review. Our vision is to love God, love people, let's go which comes from Mark 12, 20, 30 to 31, and Matthew 28, 19 to 20. And I talked a bit more about those last week. You know, we want everyone everywhere to know that they're loved by God and his people. And as I said last week, that includes us as well. We need to know that we are wholly, completely, and unconditionally loved by God. Because when we know that, that transforms everything. When we live out of a place of knowing who we are to God, then we, everything is different. And we want to be transformed. We want to become more like him for the sake of the people around us. Um, I, I talked last week, as I reviewed the last year, I talked about the, the kind of the mission statement that we've had as a church for the last 12 and a half years, uh, which said this, God has called us to be a growing community of people who love Jesus, love the Bible, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, seek to see his kingdom extended here in Chelmsford. In creative and accessible ways, we want to worship God with our whole lives as we make, train, and equip disciples, train up leaders, serve those with less than ourselves, and plant new churches as we live out the hope that captivates us. So that is still our mission in many respects. I still love it, and you can tell that I know that. It's in me. I know that. However, we have felt over the last year that we just wanted to tweak the language of our mission statement slightly. We wanted to include some of our values. So uh, this morning, drumroll please, we have a new mission statement. <sighs> Thank you very much. Okay, so God is inviting us. He's still inviting us to build an authentic, welcoming, diverse church that loves him and loves all of those around us. Following Jesus' example, we seek to make disciples through extravagant kindness, compassion, and generosity. And as we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit to humbly serve wherever we find ourselves. We felt that we wanted to craft our mission a little bit 
uh, more specifically to who, more to the who of the church, more to be more like to express more of the church that we have become over the last 12 and a half years. Uh, and we wanted to include our values. Our values are the principles with win from which we lead and we function. Our values are part of the DNA of who we are as the Vineyard Church here in Chelmsford. And we haven't talked about them for quite a while, so I'm going to mention them this morning. We all have our own values. Each of us in this room do, whether we realize it or not. They probably go unarticulated and unspoken most of the time. But I can tell you a time when you do come face to face with your, your values, and it's when somebody crosses them. If someone does or says something that you disagree with or you don't like, it's often because a value that you hold dearly has been crossed. So it is really helpful to articulate values, whether you do that uh, personally or in your families, that's totally up to you. But we feel as a church we needed to articulate afresh our values this morning. So our top five values here at Chelmsford Vineyard are to be radically generous, to have radical generosity, extravagant kindness and compassion, authentic welcome, courageous transformation and humble service. Now, we could probably add a whole lot more, but we wouldn't remember them, and then it would just get a bit confusing. So I'm going to unpack those, and I will try and be as brief as possible. First, radical generosity. God is so unbelievably radically generous. His generosity is far-reaching. That's what the word radical means. And we, as his body, as his living and breathing representatives here on earth, we want to embody that generosity so that everyone everywhere gets a glimpse of his generosity. You know, that can be through financial giving. And Graham did a, a, a brilliant summary last week for us. Um, and because of your radical generosity and giving to us, the local church, we are able to meet in a venue like this. We are able to provide good resources for our children and vineyard kids. We can have good coffee. I know that's important for many of us. Um, we can uh, put on events like our bonfire night that we're going to have on the 4th of November. We can, um, we can put that on for free so that we can invite our friends and family so there are no barriers to them coming and having fun and experiencing what it is to be in community with people who follow Jesus. So it's through things like that that we, we can give the world a glimpse of God's radical generosity. But as I say, it's not just financial. It's also we want to be generous with our time and with our attention as well as our resources. You know, within Grow Baby, the families that come along, they can have whatever they need as long as we have it. There is no limit. We, we are radically generous. You know, we seek to be a blessing to our city wherever we find ourselves. We want to go above and beyond with what we have. You know, I love the account um, of when Jesus feeds the 5,000 or the 5,000 plus some. Um, and I love the verse 20 in Matthew 14 when it says, They ate all and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. 5,000 plus people had eaten till they were satisfied. You know, there'd been seconds, there'd been thirds, there'd probably been fourths. And there were still 12 baskets left over. Like This is my example when I come to host and feed people. I'm a feeder. I like to have enough. Um, but I don't just mean with food. 
But this, for me, is an example of God's radical generosity. He's not scrimping and saving. He's not saying, well, you can have one piece of bread. That will get you through till you can get home and get a meal. He's saying, eat your fill. He's saying, this is part of my character. This is who I am. God will be glorified when we capture some of his radical generosity for the community around us. Second value, extravagant kindness and compassion. Extravagantly, why? Because extravagant means to exceed what is reasonable and expected, a little bit like radical. Um, We could have just said kindness and compassion. We could have just said generosity, but this is where my primary school English is going to let me down. What, what are those words called? They're like, like the... Is it a noun that like describes something? Adjective. Sorry, sorry. Primary school English is not my strong point. I love an adjective. I love to like give a bit more explanation. And I can't just use the word excited the whole time. So we are extravagantly kindness, show kindness and compassion. Uh, Colossians 3.12 Paul writes to the church in Colossae and and therefore he writes to us and he says, uh, therefore, as God's chosen people, that's us, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. We are to clothe ourselves in kindness and compassion. Compassion means to embody a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering. Compassion is to embody a tangible expression of love for those who are suffering. It's more than just sympathy. Compassion is walking in somebody else's shoes, understanding their journey, and then seeking to do something about it. You know, the Psalms are full of verses that talk about God being the father of all compassion. And Paul says, I've already quoted Colossians, but Paul says over and over again uh, in his letters to the early church, Comfort those who have been comforted in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. In Ephesians 4, 3, he says, Be kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And then in the Gospels, time and time again, Jesus sees people and is moved with compassion. We want to be people of extravagant compassion, to to go beyond what is reasonable, And uh, if any of you are on social media, you've probably seen a few different uh, things crop up. You know, uh, they say things like, in a world world where you can be anything, be kind. Or if you're a fan of Charlie Mackesy, uh, his picture, the the mole says to the boy, what do you want to be when you grow up? Kind, he says. You know, there's there's different memes, there's different pictures that are covering social media. Why? Because so often the world is not kind and we need reminding. You know, as followers of Jesus, we can do our bit by being extravagantly kind and the world will sit up and take notice because so often the world is not kind. Okay, thirdly, our third value is authentic welcome. Uh, There's so much to say about all of these. Uh, But basically, boiling down, we really hold authenticity as a high value of being real and authentically welcoming people. Welcoming people, uh, our welcome being genuine, being sincere. 
you know, whether you've been here for a long time or you've only just arrived. We would love you to feel welcomed so that you can feel part of the family. You know, Paul says in his letter to the church in Romans, in chapter 12, verse 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Some translations say love should be, or love must be genuine. We want to be people that are genuine, that are authentic, that are real, that have no falsehoods. We don't just put smiles on because it's church on a Sunday and everything's fine. You know, we probably could all try at that. But really, we want to be people that can go, actually, things aren't fine. Things aren't okay. I've got questions. I don't know what I think about this. I'm not even sure I believe there is a God. But I like being part of this, this community. You know, you're so welcome. But we, we want to be people that are real. Really real. No falsehoods. You know, Jesus is, some of Jesus' harshest words are to the churchy types that are hypocrites. He calls them whitewashed tombs. You know, they look nice and clean and okay on the outside, but inside they're dead. We don't want to be those sorts of people. I don't want Jesus to say to me, Nibby, you're a whitewashed tomb. You're not real. You're not authentic. What's on the outside isn't what's on the inside. We want to be people who are real. Paul also says to the church in Rome in chapter 15, verse 7, uh, this is in the message translation. Uh, it says, so reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it, now you do it. So we want our welcome to follow Jesus' example. Jesus welcomes us all with open arms. Uh, he says it to children particularly, come, come as you are. He is our example. You know, as uh, I saw it this morning, uh, Jonah ran into Lydia's arms. She held her arms out and he ran towards her. That's a picture for us of Jesus' welcome to us. And we want to model that here in this community. Welcome to the church family that is authentic. Authentic community. Okay, fourthly, courageous transformation. I'm going to talk a bit more about this one, um, but, but don't worry. We're, it is the fourth. Um, John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, um, he was a Californian musician, and he used to say, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And I think that was a bit of a Californian take on 2 Corinthians 3.18. Um, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we all who with unveiled faces contemplate God's, the, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So this is reference to um, when Moses, um, back in the book of Exodus, he's gone up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments, I think, um, and he meets with the Lord, and he, he has to come down the mountain with a veil over his face because the glory of the Lord is in him and on him, and people can't look at him because the glory of the Lord is so overwhelmingly bright and incredible. And so this, this um, verse that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth is saying all of us, if we've said yes to following Jesus, all of us who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You know, if we have said yes to following Jesus, 
then we have accepted his invitation to become like him, to have union with him. So by us seeking his face, by us walking in obedience with him, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and shape who we are and how we live our lives, that is transformation. Think of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. The transformation happens in a chrysalis, doesn't it? Life begin, the, the life of the caterpillar um, at the beginning, you know, he's enjoying life. He's doing what he does. He's crawling around, he's eating leaves. He's doing what he was made to do. And a time comes. Okay, so for us becoming more like Christ and being transformed into his image, we have to actually make a decision. I'm guessing the caterpillar doesn't make the decision to enter the, the chrysalis. I'm guessing it's just biology and happens. But I've not chatted to a caterpillar recently, so he hasn't filled me in on the whole story. But um, go with me with this. Bear with me. Um, the process happens. There is a change. The caterpillar is in a chrysalis, in a cocoon. Possibly there is some pain in that because he's changing. There's stretching. There's reworking. There's remolding to do. And then the caterpillar emerges from the chrysalis, no longer a caterpillar, but a completely different creature. It looks different. It has a different role in life, a different way of being. It no longer crawls along a leaf. It flies. Now, I know that this picture isn't perfect when it comes to us, um, but this caterpillar to butterfly process, we see that there is a completion with us being transformed into Christ-likeness, I'm not sure that there is ever completion this side of the kingdom of God coming in full. So if any of you have reached completion, perfection, just like Jesus, then please do come and pray for me because I would really like that. Um, but you catch my drift. As followers of Jesus, our transformation to become more like him to become the people that actually God created us to be right from before time, our transformation is essential because left to our own devices, we are not like Jesus. I am not like Jesus. I'll own that. You know, not for our sake does he want me to be transformed. He wants me to be transformed for the sake of our world, for those around us. Our transformation for the sake of mission, us becoming more like Jesus should be the most attractive thing to the world that they have ever seen. Us being like Jesus, living like Jesus, responding like Jesus, should be something that people notice. And the reason we've got the word courageous in front of transformation is because it's hard and we need to have courage. Sometimes it might be scary. You know, we know ourselves, right? We know how we live, what we're like. And being transformed into Christ's image, although we've got Jesus as an example, it's a little bit more unknown. And it feels maybe too big. It feels maybe out of our reach. But we are in good company. You don't have to look far in Scripture to find other people that were slightly concerned or worried or scared occasionally. Uh, take the book of Joseph in the Old Testament. It documents uh, Joseph's life and his call. And Joseph is told time and time again by God to be strong and courageous. 
You can read it, Joshua 1, 6 to 9. In those short verses, three times, God says to him, be strong and courageous. Why? Because Joshua was being asked to step up and do something hard and scary. Joshua was being asked to do something that was out of his comfort zone. So he was encouraged to be courageous, to take heart, to feel the fear and do it anyway. And when it comes to us being more like Jesus, we're being asked to do something that we might find scary or stretching or unknown, but we're told to be courageous, be strong and courageous. Because ultimately, we're becoming like Jesus. You know, will we do the hard thing of sitting and listening to the Holy Spirit? Ruth's word earlier about don't be afraid of silence. We are so good at filling, filling silence with noise. For many of us, I'm sure, in this room, silence is a scary thing. Left to your thoughts and, and, the, and the words of the Holy Spirit, maybe that is a too scary thing. My encouragement this morning is be courageous. Will we do the hard thing of sitting with him, listening? Will we walk out our transformation by speaking to people differently, treating people differently, being ready to apologize when we know that we have stepped out of line or we've said the wrong thing or we've snapped when we didn't mean to? How quickly will we apologize? You know, we believe this year that God is inviting us as a church community to really press in to courageous transformation, to take it seriously, not for the sake of navel-gazing, but because we want to be transformed people. We want to be more like Jesus. The last few years, I've said, are you more like Jesus this year than you were last year? You know, it could be, are you more like Jesus this hour than you were last hour? Because it is an ongoing thing. And so we're, we really want to focus on that. We really want to be people who are transformed by the Holy Spirit for the sake of mission. Will we courageously deal with our stuff, how we react to situations? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to show us more of ourselves, maybe the bits that we choose to ignore, so that we can become more like Jesus? Because it absolutely will affect our relationships how we treat people, what we think about, how we spend our resources, how we show up will be different. If we were all transformed to be more Christ-like, to be more like Jesus this year than last year, then the impact would be significant. Our families would be different, our friendships, our workplaces, how we deal with our colleagues, everything will be changed but it takes intentionality and it takes hard work. You know, when we say yes to Jesus, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we are a new creation. We're told not in Romans 12.2 not to be so well adjusted to our culture, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The Holy Spirit is available for us to absolutely change our thinking if we take Jesus' invitation seriously. And that means... That as a result of the Holy Spirit working in us, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That is the fruit. That's the proof that the Holy Spirit is really doing his thing in our lives. And don't we all want to be people that are more loving, joyful, patient, good, kind, self-controlled, 
Many of us have been in church a long time. And hopefully we are more like Jesus now than we were when we first encountered him. But I bet if I was to ask you your stories, you would tell me that it took real intentionality. It took carving out time. It took being vulnerable with people. It took accountability. It took developing spiritual practices. You know, many of us love learning. We love uh, knowledge, theology. We love the knowledge of God. Uh, and, but our transformation is where the rubber hits the road because we can learn all we like. We can fill our heads with information, but that won't necessarily transform us. Actually, walking day by day in step with the Spirit, seeking him, that is the thing that will change us. Through practices like silence and solitude, just what Ruth was saying, through fasting, through pressing into community and being vulnerable with one another, rather than thinking we can go, on our, go it alone. Being authentic with people, not just putting on your smiley Christian face. Everything's fine. Because that's not authentic. You know, it's like theology is the playbook. You know, we study the Bible. We study God. We study what people, very clever, wise, important people say about God and Scripture. And that's really important. And that sets our expectations of life with God. But it won't fulfill our life with God. That's why spiritual practices are so vital. So are, are you up? You don't have to, this is a rhetorical question. I don't want to embarrass anyone. But are you up for pressing into courageous transformation this year? I am. Radical generosity, extravagant kindness and compassion, um, authentic welcome, courageous transformation, and last but not least, a humble service. Jesus' life is, is epitomized by humble service. Uh, read Philippians chapter 2 when you've got time. Uh, Paul's description of Jesus, you know, he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He took the nature of a servant. Yet Jesus was God, is God, but yet he did not consider it himself equal. You know, that when, if you read in Luke, Luke 9, Luke uh, 14 and Luke 22, the disciples love an argument. Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's going to be first? Who's going to be last? And Jesus is just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, the last, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Humility was the order of the day. Jesus was very clear about that. Everything that Jesus was, his character, he was a humble man. And if we're transformed into his likeness, his humility should be seen in us. And we want to be people that serve, that take his example of serving and serve everybody around us. You know, I love chapter 13 of John's gospel when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It's just before he's about to be handed over and killed. And it's Judas that betrays him. Yet Jesus still washes his stinky feet. The man who is about to go and uh, give him over to the authorities to be killed. Jesus knew that and he still washed his feet. That's humble service right there. Serving someone who you know is going to betray you. That's Jesus and he's our example. So we want to be like that. Jesus is our example in all of this. So just to come into close, as I've said, 
Um, we really want to press this coming year into courageous transformation. We'd love to, 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 for all of us to be on this journey. And we will be talking about it and revisiting it more throughout the year. But one of the, th the tools that we want to kind of encourage you to press into, and this could be in small groups, it could be here on a Sunday, it could be in a WhatsApp group, uh, is it's linked into this authenticity and vulnerability. But it is to ask people three questions. Ask one another. There has to be trust in this. So if you don't know the person to ask them, you know, it might work, but um, and people will give you a level of, of honesty in their answer. But if there's trust, which is why small groups is a great place for this, ask each other the question regularly. What has gone well this week? Where have you got stuck? And what are you leaning into? What, have you, what has gone well this week? It could be anything. It could be, you know, I put the children to bed and nobody got cross with me. Like, that's a win. Like, it could be uh, that you managed to achieve something that you set out to do. It could be that you pressed into silence with the Lord and you heard him speak clearer than you ever had. Where have you got stuck? What's gone wrong? Where have you lost your rag when you didn't mean to? Or maybe you did mean to. Where have, what, where have you got stuck? What's gone wrong? Be honest with people and allow people to ask you curious questions. And then finally, what are you leaning into this week? And I love this. I love this question. Um, but I also love the fact that at the end of worship, God spoke to us about leaning. And Lydia said, you know, we can think leaning into the arms of the Father is a passive thing, but it's absolutely not. It's an intentional decision. What are you leaning into? Is it you're leaning into getting more sleep so that you're less grumpy? Not speaking to anybody in particular. Um, what are you leaning into? Are you leaning into uh, intentionally spending time reading scripture? Are you leaning into being honest and vulnerable with one friend? What are you leaning into? They're just three little questions that help us look at who we are how we have responded in the week, what has gone on, and what we can do. You know, this thing um, about courageous transformation, for us, all of our other values flow out of it. If we are transformed, then radical generosity, extravagant kindness and compassion, authentic welcome, and humble service are a given. They're easier. And if I was going to write the list in order of importance, I think they're all important. I might have put a courageous transformation at the top. However, um, this feels like the Lord because if you don't know me, I'm dyslexic and I don't do spellings. But I realized this week, our values, the first letter of each word spells out another word. This is like proper preaching. Like this is what happens when you're like a proper preacher, right? You all of like, you can make a word or they all begin with the same letter. So nearly 13 years in, I'm nearly there. But... So our values, you can remember them because they spell reach. And we want to reach. We want to reach towards God and we want to reach out to the people around us. So if you remember nothing from this morning, remember reach. Reach for the stars. Climb every mountain. A bit of S Club 7. Um, no, reach. Let's reach towards God. I'm so glad. I'm so sorry I embarrassed you. Uh, Let's reach towards God and let's reach out to the people around us. We want to be people that love God, love people, and, and get on with it. So that everyone everywhere knows that they're loved by God and his people. We want to reach towards God and the people around us. 
In closing, I'm going to read our mission statement again. God is inviting us to build an authentic, welcoming, diverse church that loves him love, and loves all of those around us. Following Jesus' example, we seek to make disciples through extravagant kindness, compassion, and generosity as, as we are being transformed by the Holy Spirit to humbly serve wherever we find ourselves. So if you come back next week, we'll know you're up for the journey and you quite liked what I said. If you don't, oops. Um, but we are going to press in to courageous transformation this year. And uh, yeah, our heart and our prayer is that you're up for it too. Why don't we stand and then we will pray.